Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HBR Minute HCI podcast episode, I explore the recent HBR video, China's New Innovation Advantage. Welcome back to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. It's great to be with you again today for this HBR Minute HCI podcast episode. Today I'll be exploring the recent HBR video, China's New Innovation Advantage. China is achieving a new level of global competitiveness thanks to its hyper-adaptive population, says Zach Dykwald, author of Young China, a founder of Young China Group. The video covers the following points and questions. The future of the Chinese economy is in innovation. What's behind China's new innovation advantage? We shouldn't be so focused on the innovators. Why do people in China adopt new technologies so readily? China is an outlier in a very important way. What's so powerful about having all these early adopters? What can companies in other countries learn from China? To understand what's powering the global rise of Chinese companies, we need to recognize that China now has at its disposal a resource that no other country has. That is, a vast population that has lived through unprecedented amounts of change and consequently has developed an astonishing propensity for adopting and adapting to innovations at a speed and scale that is unmatched elsewhere on Earth. It's that aspect of China's innovation ecosystem, its hundreds of millions of hyper-adoptive and hyper-adaptive consumers, that makes China so globally competitive today. In the end, innovations must be judged by people's willingness to use them. And on that front, China has no peer. Thanks for joining me, and I'll catch you on the flip side of this first clip. The future of the Chinese economy lies in innovation, and everybody knows it. And the question that I often get asked is, well, can China innovate? I've spent most of my adult life in China. We may be asking entirely the wrong question. It's less China's ability to innovate. It's less the... Uh, sort of heroes of innovation, the people at the heads of industry, and far more about the average person. That ultimately is going to create China's innovation advantage in the fast-evolving um, innovation Cold War. Typically, when we think of China and innovation together, well, typically we don't. And that's for good reason. For much of the last 40 years, China was not known as an innovator. It was known as a copycat, which is true. And by the way, everyone in China will happily own up to this. Over the last 10 years, that started to shift dramatically. And we're beginning to be peppered with headlines of these incredible new Chinese technologies and an increasingly robust ecosystem of technologists, product people, and just forward-thinking, quote-unquote, innovators. The problem is when we in the West evaluate the, the global innovation capabilities, we, we focus too much just on these heroes. 
and less on the people who actually use these innovations. The great advantage that Chinese innovators have, they have at their disposal a massive group of people who, when they pick up their phone, turn into users, who are willing to adapt and adopt at a scale and speed without peer on the world stage. Can China innovate? And of course they can. (laughs) That's kind of a silly question. And he parses it out. He talks about the innovation heroes of industry, what we often think of when we think about innovation. We think of a Steve Jobs or an Elon Musk. And he's suggesting that perhaps it's not as important whether or not China has a lot of those heroes of industry, the innovation heroes. What's more important is that they have a broader innovation ecosystem and they have the average individual within China who is willing to adopt new technologies, which allows organizations, corporations to iterate more rapidly than we might be able to here in the West. He lays out a bit of the history of the Chinese development over the last 50 years and how they've so rapidly uh, grown and changed and how that really influences this current dynamic uh, for the average individual. So in the upcoming clips, he'll talk more about that and we can explore that a little bit more together. The aha moment for me when, when looking at China's innovation ecosystem was, was really just looking at young people. And there was one day where I decided to quantify the amount of change that people had undergone in their lifetime. So I'm an American millennial. I was born in 1990. In my lifetime, I've watched our per capita GDP in America, which is the basic measurement we have when comparing the quality of life globally. It's not perfect, but it's not bad. As an American, I've watched our per capita GDP increase 2.7 times in my lifetime. Pretty good. Okay, maybe the vacations we could take as a family, 2.7 times uh, longer. The cars that your your neighbor could drive, maybe 2.7 times nicer. And actually, if you look at the top 40 economies of today, you start to see a trend. Uh, In India, someone born in 1990 has witnessed around 6x per capita GDP growth in their lifetime. And then you look at this graph and you see something, one glaring outlier. China. If you were born in 1990 in China, my friends born in 1990 in China have witnessed 32x per capita GDP growth in their lifetime. 32 times GDP growth over the last 30 years in China. They are the global outlier. So while we've seen economic growth across the globe, and while the U.S. has maintained a pretty steady clip and good pace of economic growth and GDP uh, growth and which has increased the standard of living. Imagine being someone who is a millennial born in China back in 1990, who in their lifetime has seen the economy grow by 32 times, not 32 percent, 32 times. Uh, that's that's insane. And so the amount of disposable income that these families, the average family in China, has today compared to 30 years ago. Uh, is tremendous. That allows for greater adoption. It also just changes the the general worldview and the mindset of these individuals, these younger individuals who have lived through so much dramatic and continuous change over an extended period of time. Uh, I, I'm not sure of any other place in the world that has seen faster, more consistent, steady, rapid growth than China has over the last several decades. 
And so that changes the dynamic. And you add on top of that the sheer, the sheer size of China, of the population. And the number of people that now have more wealth, more capabilities, and are hungry for these new technologies. And again, it allows organizations to iterate more rapidly with new technological advances, new offerings, and new ideas. Many people I interviewed over this last decade have watched their, their village turn into a town, turn into a city. But too often, we, we just fixate on skylines instead of people. And the change that these young people have gone through in the last 30 years is not only incredible globally, but has absolutely fundamentally shaped who they are and how they see the world. The sort of mantra uh, for the population has been adapt, adapt, adapt. And so for technology, that's translated into adopt, adopt, adopt. It's more fertile soil for these innovations to really take root and then blossom into something far more um, substantial, far larger, and again, impactful uh, than, than we have really anywhere else in the world. Adopt, adopt, adopt. Can you imagine living in a place where you've seen it grow from a, a small rural village to a large town to a huge urban center over the space of just a few decades? That is truly insane. And I don't think many people in the West can really grasp that. If you haven't been to China to see that kind of growth, it's hard to really even comprehend it. Now, I have been to China a number of times for work, and I've seen some of this growth myself, uh, though I can't say I, it goes back 30 years. But going back uh, a decade, uh, I've been to some, not rural, but some of the smaller big cities in China. Uh, and we know, we know that China has more mega cities than any other country in the world. But imagine going uh, to a small quote-unquote, small town in China that is just a couple million people 10 years ago. And then a decade later, they have 10-plus million people. Uh, that amount of population growth. And and when when I... There's this one particular um, city that I toured some of the upcoming development uh, that was happening on the outskirts of the city as they were preparing for this kind of dramatic population growth in the city. And at the time, they were building freeways and highway systems, apartment complexes. All of this was being pre-built, and it was empty. It was completely empty. But 10 years later, I go back, it's completely filled. Every single last piece of it. The freeways and the highways are full. Uh, traffic is crazy. The apartment complexes are full. Again, can you imagine being in a small rural Chinese village and then over the course of three decades seeing that grow into a town and then into a mega city that's essentially what so many people have seen and i mean hundreds of millions of people have seen that over the course of the last 30 years and that fundamentally changes the way that we view the world when we're living that kind of constant change and when we're living that kind of constant continual growth and development in our standard of living because then our wants get uh, coupled with our needs and they're insatiable. Uh, and why wouldn't we want the newest and the latest, greatest technologies? Why wouldn't we want to, to implement them? And so largely that's what's happened across much of Chinese population. And it's a rather incredible sight to see. 
I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, The Journey of Becoming a Truly Remarkable Leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue. What some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There's no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of our problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. You could have the best innovation in the world. You could be the greatest thinker in the world. You could have the sweetest black turtleneck in the world. But if no one is going to be using your innovation, then you're not going to change the way that our world spins. Well, in 2014, Apple Pay came out. Apple launched Apple Pay. Much fanfare, incredible. In, the, in that exact same year, WeChat Pay came out pretty much at the exact same time. The tech was similar. Uh, the, the, the usage and the, and the ways that people use these things was quite similar. Now, about a year ago, Apple recently announced that they, um, they had about 24% Apple Pay penetration amongst iPhone users in the United States. Came out with much fanfare. They were very happy that they were starting to get that level of penetration. Even though it came out the exact same year, you had 84% penetration for WeChat Pay. Pretty much everyone and their mothers was willing to pick up their phone, scan a QR code, and use it. So for Western organizations, typically what you happen is you have a product release and that's it. You sort of climb the hill, you plant your flag, and that's it. In China, you have this, will this willingness and capability to iterate at speed that you don't really have anywhere else in the world. The shifting tastes and desires of, of, of tech users in China is is evolving at a speed that, that just doesn't really exist in global markets. These manufacturers are internalizing feedback they're getting from their users um, at warp speed. 24% market penetration for Apple Pay versus 5% market penetration for WeChat Pay. That's insane. I mean, that literally means almost everybody in China over the course of just a few years moved to WeChat Pay. And I remember the first time uh, I traveled back to China after WeChat was a thing, and immediately that was the go-to mechanism to pay for anything anywhere. Uh, it went from you know the very uh, previous visit, just a year or two uh, prior, uh, I, you know I was still using cash, and then all of a sudden I go and everyone's using WeChat Pay. And again, this is just one small example but it illustrates how ready and willing the general population is to adopt these new technologies, these new innovations, and how quickly and dramatically it transforms the society. Uh, it, it's, it's rather crazy to even think about. It's just not even possible in a place like the U.S. or anywhere else in the world. 
Uh, 24% market penetration is awesome. That That is amazing for Apple just the, over the course of a couple of years. Um, but we just can't compare with the iterative learning that can occur when you have a population willing to adopt and adapt so readily, so quickly. Much of the way that people are relating to tech, much of the way that consumers are wanting things and, that, and, and then are expressing that desire through actually paying or purchasing or, or seeking out new ideas, um, already exists in China. It's our job uh, as, as global companies or, or, or you know, people from outside of China to, to look at that, learn from that, and then be willing to copy the copycat. And by the way, it's already happening. Uh, Amazon is already looking at Alibaba and Taobao and seeing their sort of spending holidays. If you're wondering where Prime Day came from, it comes from Singles Day in China. If you're wondering why Facebook is suddenly so gung-ho about payment, uh, they're looking at WeChat and seeing how the way that, that, that social payment has really revolutionized the platform in China. The best and brightest in US and Western tech are already learning from China. I would be sending my product people, I would be sending um, the big strategic thinkers in my organization to go to China and understand how these companies are interacting with consumers, uh, their process of iteration, uh, what consumers are asking for, but being willing to harvest new ideas from an ecosystem, really that tech innovation greenhouse that's already flourishing. The most overlooked, the most undervalued aspect of China's uh, innovation advantage are the people for whom adapting and adopting new technologies at speed and scale is everyday life. Are we willing to copy the copycat? China grew for, for decades, it grew its economy and its, uh, its manufacturing infrastructure around copying the technologies uh, and reproducing what already existed in other parts of the world. But that has changed, and now, in recent decades, they have become the innovators. And while they used to copy us, are we willing to go and copy them? Are we willing to go and look at how they uh, get continuous feedback loops so they can iterate quickly with the new products and services and features that they provide to the consumers? Because China has a willing and able huge population to be able to try out these new things on. And so the pace of change uh, can far outstrip anything that we can see here, unless we can learn to adopt some of their approaches and how they roll out new technological innovations. I think China is a really great opportunity for us uh, here in the West and of course for, for other parts of the world as well. Uh, as he says in that last part of the clip, that we need to be going there and, and figuring out what they're doing. Uh, the, the best tech companies are already doing that. The best innovators are already doing that, trying to learn from China, trying to learn from everyone, frankly. And we should not be so arrogant as to think that China is looking to us for the answers right now, because that's just not the case. Uh, we, we need to look to them. And ultimately, that will allow us to have a better chance of being competitive in the future and continually innovating. I really appreciate the insights provided in uh, his commentary in, in this video. Uh, I encourage you to check out the full video uh, at HBR, uh, the YouTube channel. And I hope that this has been 
uh, a good opportunity for you to maybe learn about something new that you hadn't thought much about previously. I think there are lots of implications for how we can apply this in our workplace and as we try to innovate and create and provide value in the marketplace. As always, thank you for joining me for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day, and I hope you have a great week. alchemy of truly remarkable leadership, ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years with increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition. The average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.